Uh, If you would again uh, take out your Bible, let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. And uh, we'll be looking today at verses 1 through 3. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Again, this is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of our God remains forever. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We pray now, God, for uh, the preaching of your word. Uh, Be with this, your servant. Help us to understand this passage. Help us to apply it uh, rightly to our lives. We pray that Jesus is glorified. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. Well, today uh, we're, of course, looking at Genesis chapter 2 and the Sabbath rest of God. Uh, Now, the exposition of this passage is actually pretty straightforward. And so a lot of our time is, and in fact most of our time, will actually be spent looking at the implications of the seventh day in terms of the Sabbath rest which God has invited us into. Now, as we always do as good interpreters of the scriptures, uh, we use what is called the analogy of faith. That is the Reformation concept that scripture interprets scripture. And so we're going to lean heavily into some other texts of scripture, uh, perhaps more than we usually do. And in particular, Hebrews 4, which was also uh, our New Testament reading a few minutes ago. Uh, And Hebrews Hebrews is, in many respects, itself an exposition of many pertinent Old Testament passages. From this, I hope we get a better picture of the significance that God has given uh, to the seventh day, and in particular, uh, the day of rest. And so as we think back over the creation account, uh, we will note again that God created in six days. So six days... We read that God labored, and he then rested on the seventh day. And we should ask, why does God do this? It's not as though God was weary from the work of creating. That, of course, would be to miss the point. God gave us a pattern in which we're to follow. In fact, that is the reason given for the command in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11 to work six days and then to rest for one. Because this is what God had done. And so here in Genesis chapter 2, we are introduced to this day of rest, the seventh day. But one thing you'll see is that it's introduced to us differently than the other six days. So there's a few uh, overarching observations which are in order here. First, there is no introductory formula 
where you know in the other uh, on the other days it says something like then God said and this is probably because the work of creation has now been completed and so there's really nothing more to be said on this account second there's no mention of morning or evening the seventh day opens but there is no end given in the text now this is perhaps because God has entered into a rest which was to be eternal and perpetual, but, as we will see in coming weeks, is interrupted by the fall of man into sin. The third observation that you'll see is that the seventh day is mentioned three times in the text. And this is because there is an emphasis being placed on this day of rest. And so it's important. This is important. It's being, it's being highlighted. It's so important, in fact, that the seventh day is the only day which is called blessed and is made holy. And so immediately there's a pattern established for humanity. Six days of labor and then one day of rest. And that one day is a day of blessing and is to be treated as holy, for God called it holy. This is true for the nation of Israel, who were, of course, the original audience of the book. But is this still true for us as Christians? Is the Sabbath rest still functional for us as well today? Now, In the course of our study, I hope that you see the answer is yes. That God has given to us a great gift in the Sabbath. He gave us the gift of rest and the promise of ultimate rest, which is realized in Christ himself. And so let's jump in, uh, first of all, looking at the seventh day, uh, the day of God's Sabbath rest. So to begin uh, in verse 1 of chapter 2, God having now completed his work of the previous six days, uh, thus the heavens and the earth are finished and all the host of them. Now, you'll note the language used here is reminiscent of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, particularly the phrase, the heavens and the earth. That phrase was used there. Here we see it again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now God has completed all that he had set out to do. The world had been formed. The world had been filled. The transformation of the previously lifeless and void earth is now been complete. But not only was the earth finished, we see heavens and earth, but the text adds this. It says, and all the hosts of them. Now you may ask, well, what is that? What is the host of them? Well, this is actually a reference to the sun, the moon, and the stars. This is how the phrase, that same exact phrase is used in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 19. In other words, not only did God form and fill the earth, remember in the Genesis account, those six days, the focus really becomes on, on the earth, but... God has also finished his work in all of the heavens. Everything was done. The totality of the cosmos is included in the whole host. The sun, the moon, and the stars. 
All of these things have now been completed. God is done with His work of creating. There's nothing more to be done. All that was to be made, all that was to come into existence, has now come into being, and as, had, as was declared at the end of the sixth day, was very good. So the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, all of it has now been completed. All of it is finished. All that's left to do is enter into rest. And so we see in verses 2 and 3 this. And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all the work He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all His work which He had done in creation. Now these two verses, uh, verses 2 and 3, are actually really quite interesting. First, we'll note their structure, which you really can't appreciate very well in English. You really have to look at it in Hebrew, but you don't know Hebrew, so I'll explain it to you. In Hebrew, there are four lines. The first three are parallel, and each line possesses seven Hebrew words. And the midpoint of each line in the Hebrew phrase is the seventh day. Now, why would, they, why would, why would it be like this? Well... The seventh day is purposely being highlighted in the text. It is the center of what is being communicated. And one commentator gave a literal translation of the structure this way. So God finished by the seventh day His work, which He did. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work, which He did. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because on it he rested from all his work, which God created to do. So the seventh day is central to what's being communicated here. The word of God is highlighting the significance of this seventh day. Now, whenever we observe something like this in the text, it ought to cause us to sit up and take notice. God had created in the span of six days, but when he was done... He rested on the seventh day. And He blessed it, and He made it holy. Now, again, there is no mention in the the text of of the seventh day ending. Now, one possible reason for this is that the reader is to understand that the Sabbath is a creation ordinance, which continues, and which humans are exhorted to participate in looking forward to that eternal Sabbath rest, which is yet to come, and so is a blessing. The seventh day, though, was not only a significant day of rest, but as we read, it was a sanctified day. It was called holy. God calls that one and seven day holy. There's no other day which God sanctifies like this day, which the nation of Israel called the Sabbath day. This is a day which God had particularly set apart. And you'll note that it is not a day in which we're invited to work really hard for Him. No, this is a day in which we are resting in reliance on the Lord. This is why we say this is a gift from God. We're resting on Him. This is a day in which we live by faith. It's blessed and it is holy. Now at this point... As we consider the implications of this for us, 
It might be helpful for us to provide a sketch, first of all, of the Sabbath rest concept within the nation of Israel. Now, the Sabbath rest is, first of all, a creation ordinance as it's patterned on God's work. The, the day of rest is not just a day to cease from laboring, it is to be a day of worship, resting in the Lord our God. It is a day that God has made holy. Multiple times in the Old Testament, the Sabbath is mentioned as a day of rest and ceasing from labor. Uh, The fourth commandment, which we see in Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 8, says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. And then in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11, again, the reason is provided for the people's rest because this is what God did. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and that all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the sanctified nature of the seventh day, Sabbath, is rooted in God's creative activity and then rest. Therefore, the people were to do likewise. They were to keep that day holy. They were to keep it perpetually as a covenant before the Lord. Exodus 31, 14 and 16. In other words, there was to be no end to the Sabbath ordinance of God. The pattern is six days of labor, one day of rest. Now, in the Old Covenant, this day was the last day of the week. In the New Covenant, though, because of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and the new life which has come through Him, that day has changed to the first day of the week. But in both cases, the principle remains the same. Six days you shall labor, and one day you shall rest in the Lord. God has set apart one day as this day of rest. And He's instructed His people to worship Him on it. In fact, after the construction of the tabernacle in the wilderness, following the exodus of the people from Egypt, the covenant sign given for the people was the Sabbath day. God had entered into rest, and He commands His people to enter into rest. They were to cease from labor. They were to rely on their God and their Savior. They were to rely on the God who had brought them out of Egypt. It is here that the Sabbath of Israel and creation's rest in Genesis 2 meet in that holy place. As the Creator who sanctified the Sabbath day invites His people into His rest. This principle becomes even more stark when you consider John chapter 1 and verse 14. Speaking of Jesus, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The word dwelt in John chapter 1 is literally tabernacled. 
Jesus tabernacled and taking on flesh. He met with his people bodily. He lived with them and he invited them into his rest and worship. His abiding with his people, Jesus brings salvation. He brings life. So far from being a burden, the command to rest at the tabernacle was to be a blessing to the people as Christ is a blessing to us as he tabernacles with us. And so the rest which Israel was promised was first shown forth in the inheritance of the land. Remember the, 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 uh, the Israelites were held in bondage. They were slaves in Egypt. They were weary from their toil as slaves. The Lord came appointing Moses who took them out and led them out of of Egypt and out of slavery and was to bring them into the promised land, the land which flowed with milk and honey, the land of Canaan. This is a picture of blessing and rest from affliction. Of course, we know the story, right? That first generation to leave Egypt after the Exodus, they didn't receive the promise because of their hardness of heart. Now, the writer of Hebrews says this, For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. In other words, that first generation coming out of Egypt were not living by faith. And so, though the Sabbath rest in Canaan was Israel's destiny, that first generation didn't obtain it because of disobedience. And so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And then it was the second generation, under the leadership of Joshua, who finally realizes the inheritance, and they enter into the land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land which pictures for us rest. And while they were in the land, having been given the law, they were to follow the pattern of six days of work and one day of rest, and they were to grant even the land itself rest. And so there were Sabbaths, there were jubilees for the land as symbolic recognition of God's provision of rest for Israel. It was God who owned the land. It was God who provided them rest. Israel entered the land as aliens and strangers. And they had come at God's invitation and by His redemption. And so the Sabbath pattern which Israel was to follow uh, follow both throughout the week and as regarded the land itself, was was rooted in their reliance on God. You and I need to work to eat. And yet there is one day in which we are to be in reliance upon the Lord for our livelihood, for our nourishment. And instead worship Him who gives all things. The rest of the Sabbath is living by faith. And so for Israel, their remaining in the land would require faithfulness to God's covenant promises and provisions. And those who broke God's covenant because of unbelief were to be excluded from the nation. And ultimately, we know the nation was unfaithful. And we can read of the division of the nation, the destruction of the northern and southern kingdoms, uh, Babylon, captivity, uh, etc., But of course, uh, we know also that this wasn't 
the end of the story. For even their being in the land and remaining under God's protection and rule was but a picture of a greater reality. Now again, the writer of Hebrews points out that when Joshua led the nation into the land, they still had not realized the fullness of rest. They were experiencing a foretaste of that rest. A rest which they would not see themselves fully until the new heavens and new earth. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And so this leads us now to our third point. Christ himself is our Sabbath rest. You see, God's creating all things out of nothing, and in the space of six days, and all very good, and then resting on the, Sabbath, on the seventh day, establishing a Sabbath rest, was, for us, a picture for the believer, which we have in Jesus Christ. That we can rest in Him. The nation of Israel entered into the rest of the land, but as we read in Hebrews there remained a Sabbath rest for the people. There was yet still a a, a true rest to come. That is to say, they had possessed the rest, but not yet fully. This is true, though, for the Christian as well. We are currently in possession of all the blessings of Christ from the heavenly places, we saw that as we studied Ephesians, but not yet fully. We can rest in Christ now, and we can finally rest in in Him at the end of all things. In fact, Jesus invites us into His rest. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. By faith, the believer enters into the rest which Christ offers. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3, For we who have believed enter that rest. You see, this is a present reality for us now as followers of Jesus Christ. Through faith, we can be certain of our salvation as we have come into communion with God, whose word is living and active. This is what eternal life is about, being in communion with God, resting in Him. Instead of laboring in futility, Seeking to earn forgiveness of sin and acceptance with God, we rest upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Even in this present life of toil and and the miseries of this life, our faith rests on Him and His saving power. And the future hope that we have of rest and eternal life are then made real to us now by faith. And so, we, so that we live by a strength which is not of us, but is of God. Now Israel had a foretaste of God's rest, and that was in the land. 
But remember, they were still surrounded by enemies. They still had to strive. They had to fight wars. The book of Joshua speaks of the successes and failures of the people. Joshua is not a book of peace. Joshua is a book of conquest and war. This is true for the Christian as well. We have rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. We lay our burdens upon Him. We come in tears, laying down our fears. We find our rest in Him. And yet, we long for that day when there there are no more tears. And we long for that day when we no longer have fear. We long for that day when God's promised and ultimate rest is brought to full consummation and glory. This will be a day of singing and everlasting joy. This will be a day where there will be no more sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Isaiah 35.10 tells us. So far from being a burden... The Sabbath day, that is, the Lord's day, ought to be a joy for the Christian. For in it we celebrate a realized eschatology. We celebrate and have a foretaste of the joy which is to come in the new heavens and the new earth. Christ has invited us to come and to rest in Him. On each Lord's day, we have the privilege of doing just that together as His people. In fact, this day is a gift given for you and for me. Jesus said in Mark 2, 27, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. This was a gift given to us. And Jesus is the Lord of that day. He has given it to us. At creation, He has given it to us in His law. And it was given not to be a burden to us. No, it was given as a gift to men for our benefit so that we would rely not on ourselves, but that we would rely on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not a burden to find rest in Christ. It is a joyful reminder of what we have to look forward to in the new heavens and new earth. Now we should note at this point that there are many Christians who think that there is no more Sabbath. They will argue that Christ fulfilled the Sabbath, thus the fourth commandment has been abrogated. No longer are we bound to a day of rest and to hold to a Sabbath concept. To do that is simply legalism, they would say. I would ask the question, but is it? Is it really just legalism? Certainly we agree that Christ has fulfilled the Sabbath, as He Himself is our Sabbath rest. But when, what other of the Ten Commandments do we want to abrogate as well? It's peculiar to do away with only one commandment, only to retain the other nine, particularly one in which is rooted in creation itself and the law. In silence of Scripture, and reiterating the Sabbath concept in the New Testament is not enough to simply toss it out. Although we've already know that Jesus invites us into his rest. But there's more. 
Those who argue against the Christian Sabbath note that the Sabbath was a sign pointing to something that has now come. Uh, When the reality comes, the sign passes away, they say. And to that we would say, this is true. We would agree with this. In fact, this is the very argument that the writer of Hebrews makes about the sacrificial system. Since the true Lamb of God has come, shedding His blood, there is therefore no need to sacrifice bulls and goats and bulls. But as regards the Sabbath, the very point of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 9 is that the reality has not yet come. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. This is a direct quote from Hebrews. The reality has not yet come. Which is then to say, there is still a valid need for and a benefit of the sign of Sabbath rest. For the fullness of that has not yet been realized. Now as Christians, you and I have a realized eschatology in part. Christ fulfills all that the Old Testament has set forth. He is the spotless Lamb of God who takes away sins. He is our rest. And in Him we possess all the blessings, even now in the heavenly places. But we do not yet possess the fullness of it. We live in the already, but not yet. There is still something yet to come. And the Sabbath rest we enjoy here today points us to what is already true in Christ and yet to come. It's still future. It is not fully realized. Christ is still working on our behalf. He's making all His and our enemies a footstool under His feet. And He will again return in glory. And so for now we enjoy these spiritual realities in part, but not fully yet. But we know we will. That's the, that's the glory of the Sabbath, rest. And so we need to be careful that though we have a, a, a realized eschatology in part, we need to be careful that we don't have an over-realized eschatology. The promises of Christ are, are ours now, and we can speak of them as present realities in part, but we still look forward to the fullness of them coming in the age to come. And so for this reason, the Christian ought to maintain the Sabbath as a joyful ordinance for the Lord, for this is the Lord's day. It is the day given to us by God, not only from the law, But as we've seen from creation itself, it is the pattern which God has given to us. It is the day given as a gift for us. It was made for us, for our benefit, for our rest, for the refreshment of our souls. It was a day which reminds us of the rest which is yet to come in the new heavens and new earth. And so let us labor and then let us rest. For God labored for us and invites us to enter into His rest. Christ invites you to rest. Trust in Him. Rest in Him. For He is your Lord and He is your King. He has given this to to the weary and heavy laden. Come, enjoy the fruit of His labor 
for you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your rest. For the gift of rest. We thank you that you invite us to rest in Christ, who is our Sabbath. We thank you that this is a day in which we can live by faith, worshiping you, grateful for what Christ has done, grateful that there is a day yet to come, that this is yet just a foretaste of what's yet to come in the new heavens and new earth when we enjoy ultimate rest. And so we thank you for this day where we get to enjoy a foretaste of that. Help us, God, to think rightly about this day, not as a burden, not as legalism, but as a day that we are overjoyed to be in and to honor you. We thank you. We give you all praise in Jesus' name. Amen.